This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Uh, here bringing you the great news from the banned and restricted announcement and what it means financially. So obviously no changes to all formats, which is terrible. So let's take it away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're going to go in uh, ascending order of age in regards to the format, standard being our newest the format. And there were no changes there, which I think was to be expected. The format's a week old. You can't ban Field of the Dead right now. But it will be. Look, I don't want to say it will be. I think people are going to figure out how to play Mono Red against it. Yeah. There's no Pyroclasm in the format. We're not going to get that or Volcanic Fallout back. But eventually somebody's going to remember that you can play Tybalt in your main deck. I mean, we have Deafening Clarion, but I think that's probably, like, the only thing you have to worry about. It's just, like, it, it feels bad not having a meaningful way to interact with lands. Yeah, 100%. Uh, because the last time that happened, you know, they banned Block Constructed forever. <laughs> because... We had a gate deck you couldn't interact with. It just won out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, whatever. It's stupid. The The uh. interesting thing is how many times they've printed when a creature ETBs now or dies, it no longer triggers anything, but they can't put that anywhere for a land. I mean, that would no. skew older formats a lot. It really, really would. Yeah. But there's I just... I mean, you could just make it permanence entering the battlefield. Yeah. Don't cause abilities to tap or don't cause abilities to happen like that's yeah. fine i guess it just has to be appropriately costed yeah. or i don't know aether flash seems like it would be good uh whenever a creature etbs it takes two damage yeah uh, that's fine. actually that's a card i've liked for forever but it's also interesting that alpine moon and field of ruin both exit the format at a very inopportune time i i was actually talking to a friend of mine about it last night and we came to the conclusion that ghost quarter should be a card that is almost always in standard because it's enough of a drawback that has like little upside yeah but just enough that like when there's a problem like field of the dead you can do something about it you can yeah. actually impact it in a meaningful way and like it it doesn't hurt no really but, to have it there yeah but in the end they'll most likely give us until next set uh we have bnr in november again nobody can figure yeah. out why there's this random one kind of in about a month we might see something then if nothing happens in the meantime, but I, the format is in its nascent stages. You know, we saw basically Mono Golos in the Star City top four yep. this past weekend. Matt Nass was the only outlier playing Simic Flash, but it was still, you know, a, an, Oko's, an Oko deck at heart with uh, yep. the jellyfish on top, uh, the Flash jellyfish. Hydroid Crisis. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, both decks played that. Uh, we basically watched Golos be a non-factor in most of those matchups. It was just a nice long game card. One version played uh, Fires, which is pretty nice because you could wish and then play your wish for card immediately that next turn. Yeah. And so there was some interesting play. They were just very long matches that were very boring, and they stopped focusing on standard pretty shortly into day two and then again in, in the top four. Yeah. But this doesn't really impact anything if you didn't get in on field of the dead before rotation you were going to miss out anyway because it's putting up results in modern and legacy everything yep and the the only thing to look at in regards to this would have been fires but because people had been brewing with that already lsv had put out a couple lists in the cfb 
uh, sign up for only newsletters that were plated in modern. You know, the, the yeah. cards had a price tag for a while. And then if uh, Golos was another card you could have bought in on pretty cheaply up until the beginning of this weekend. I think it was sub $2 until uh, yeah. early on Saturday, at which point it shot to 4 or 5 and it's not coming back. Um, it is definitely a card that I slept on. I think I might have a copy or two just for my judge boxes. And yeah. it's not a card I wished I'd ever bought more of because it just looked like the slow, plotting, plotting, dirtly card. And the decks that I had seen using this card leading up to the event... Sorry, when I say this card, I meant Field of the Dead in this instance, were actually more uh, Simic-based food-style decks that eventually ramped out into um, Field of the Dead. So yeah. my attention was focused somewhere else. It wasn't on Gola, so I just missed this card entirely until this weekend. Yeah, I kind of... I expected it to do things i just didn't think it would be the search for a land part that did things because i figured with scape shift rotating the card was just like eh, it's fine yeah like field field of the dead doesn't matter because there's no reliable way to fetch it up except golos which is like you're tapping out for a body that doesn't do much and you know just getting the land yeah and like solemn simulacrum isn't great but uh, it's enough yeah so and you know thus financially the the action was really on friday and early day saturday after yeah. that, Sanders probably just going to be kind of float along until somebody figures out how to counterplay Field of the Dead properly. And at that point, that's when you'll see those pieces uh, shoot up, whether it's going to be something like Assassin's Trophy to limit the damage on a single copy of Field of the Dead, or it's something like Tybalt, which stops the life game from Hydroid Crisis, so the mono-red deck that plays Torbane and the uh, the red enchantment that pings face yeah. can just get the job done. I don't know yet, because we're still very early in this yeah. format. You know. I, I didn't think there'd be much to change there. I, I, it did just click, though. November ban announcement. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's because of Eternal Weekend. Okay, it is the, it is the like, Monday after Eternal Weekend. The Monday weekend. after. Yeah. So if they want to change Legacy or Vintage, they can That's wait the to get a real paper result. Yeah, there you go. Just clicked. So, perfect. So, trucking right along. Up next is Modern. Also saw nothing, but I don't think Modern needed anything. It needs Splinter Twin unbanned. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think it Modern needed anything banned, put it that way. That's fair. I, yeah. I think that's the, sh the spot <laughs> we're in. I think there's always room for stuff to come off the ban list, and this is one of the first weekends that we haven't seen Stoneforge Mystic put up a bunch of results. It is Urza that put up a bunch of results, and yeah. they're finally changing the shell to be a little more all-in combo surrounding Paradoxical Outcome, and that was your gainer. Yeah. That card was just a sleeper for a really long time. Uh, not a lot of people knew why this card held no value up until about two weeks ago because it is just an engine card. Yeah, the card's bonkers. It, like, I, it's been powering Vintage Storm for over a year now. It's insane in EDH. It just has yeah. no, no place really in Legacy, and there are more powerful things you could have been doing in EDH with Paradox Engine as opposed to Outcome. Yeah. So... It kind of got overshined, but it stayed at sub a dollar too long. That was the action, basically, yeah. for for Modern. I checked on Urza because I have one. I was like, oh, this might be the, a kind of deck now in its current stage of Paradoxical Outcome that would be up my alley. And that card stayed the same. It's still hovering yeah. at about $43, $45. That's what it started at. That's what it, it's going to be until they ban Mox Opal for reasons. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, even after that, it may stick around just because like EDH exists yeah. and, uh, you know, as I tweeted out this weekend, distros are done with modern horizons. They were told there's no more coming. So, oh, I think Urza is absolutely going to hold its, uh, its value right now. It might drop to somewhere 
in the 30s in the short run as people dump yeah. if it does get banned in modern, but it should come back up. And that Paradoxal Outcome should have reached a new floor. It had, it had existed in the basement. It never actually reached its floor. It was always in the basement. It was just one yeah. of those cards that was waiting for something. And and I guess not a lot of people saw the Urza deck as a place to go. Well, you know, yeah. I've been talking about this on the cast. I didn't think that deck was built properly. I thought there were other and better ways to kill, and none of them were ever Paradoxal Outcome when I was yeah. shaping the deck in my mind. I always wanted to charge my laser and shoot somebody with an Aether Flux Reservoir or a 6 CMC Tez. Just the EDH style. Yeah, yeah, just combo off using Urza's, uh, using Urza's ability to just dump your deck on the battlefield and just pop yeah. somebody for 50. Like To me, that was perfectly fine, but Outcome is a better way to do that. So, you know, props. Definitely. Um, there might still be a little bit of profit. You can squeeze out a grinding station. That was in some lists last week. It, uh, I know Josh McLean was looking one for uh, for one before the Star City event, and I believe he did wind up with one, made it to the top four on playing uh, Warza on Matt Nass's team. Yeah. Uh, a name that we haven't seen on the, the Magic Fest and Pro Tour circuit for a little while. Yeah, because KCI time. got banned. Oh, well, he was a pod guy before that. He was playing. That's true. Yeah, he was well, playing, pod got banned too. He was playing for me and my boys back when he yeah. uh, came in second place and then won a GP back-to-back -back against Reed Duke both times. That's People true. forget yeah. about that. He lost the finals of my of Miami to Reed Duke and then beat Reed Duke the next time Twice around. Twice in a row. Yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But there might still be some profits on Grinding Station just because it's a weird and unique card that definitely has EDH playability to it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can look out for that. I think when I picked my single copy up for the deck, it was uh, 2 to 3 bucks somewhere in there. This is definitely a $5 card, easy, because it's an uncommon from Mirrodin Block, and who cares about Mirrodin Block anymore, right? Yeah, I and those foils just keep randomly spiking. And yeah. It's like Guys, yeah, know. it's not the kind of card that we'll probably see in a standard set. Even if we were to revisit Mirrodin again, we might get something weird in the supplemental. If there's some weird creatures entering the battlefield, matters to create a oh, million yeah. triggers deck in draft, but that's doubtful. So Grinding Station definitely has some opportunity, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Uh, moving along. Legacy, no changes. I don't think it needed any changes. I think we're in a good spot. I think we yeah, saw... I I've said I think this is the healthiest, the best legacy has been in years. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that by any means we needed to ban Deathrite, but the format's better for it. Uh, you know, flame me on Twitter, it's fine about how terrible it was with Deathrite. Oh, Deathrite, I, Deathrite banning unlocked two of my favorite decks from Extended that are legacy, that were legacy pillars until Deathrite Shaman came along, so... Yeah. You're gonna get an argument at you would always get an argument out of me for that that card not being uh, banned, and it's uh, it it's just it got a little bit worse after War of the Spark and Horizons, but mm -hmm. like fine, um, it's still much better than it's been, and I think that now that we've seen the format start to settle, and outside of the Star City team event, whatever Rug Delver, yes, it's very represented in the meta, but it's not putting up the results. Uh, the top eights are diverse. The last yep. big event, I think there were five or six unique archetypes in the top eight that wasn't a team event. Yep. And it, it, you're consistently getting this variety, and it's not the same archetypes every time. And that, no. to me, is one of the bigger things. You had, uh, there was Teamer Delver, 4C Loam, a couple other things at the last, what was it, Syracuse a couple weeks ago? It was just I think a, so, yeah. It's a very good, healthy spot that it's in. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things that i've seen recently uh regarding timing of ban restricted announcements on the legacy subreddit uh you know no changes and someone says no one saw that coming like literally i had no yeah. idea there was a bnr today <laughs> so. oh yeah 
I mean, it's it's you know, some people are calling for Renin Six. I think that's wrong. No, no way. Uh, I think Legacy is at the point where you can actually unban things, and it's fine. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people that think Earthcraft is fine to unban now. I don't necessarily. I don't disagree. I we have so much kill anything removal now that it's not a terrible idea. So but. before Jace the Mind Sculptor was unbanned in Modern, uh, as vendors, when I would go out and I, I was uh, doing a little more work. And we would sit down and be uh, myself, you know, my, my management from Troll, um, some guys like Adam Hotzel. We would have the conversation of what would happen if you unbanned Jace the Mind Sculptor in Modern and then and unbanned, sorry, unbanned Jace, unbanned Splinter Twin. What would happen? Individual conversations. And then the, the thought experiment that always got floated was what about Mana Drain in Legacy or Mind Twist in Legacy? What if you unban either one of those? What happens? I think Mind Twist is probably fine. I would agree with that. I, I don't know about Mana Drain. I think Pox is an underrepresented deck in that format. It's not as weird as a, and depressive as it is in uh, Modern. Agreed. If a lot of people were on it. Like at the yeah. right time, uh, Smallpox can be at, or 8-Rack, whatever you want to call it, can actually be really oppressive to a metagame. But there's a lot of things you can do with Pox that start with Chains of Mephistopheles and teaching people how to play that game that and yep. end with Contagion and how to lock people out of their mono sources with mono black. Yeah. And it offers up this weird, like, world of play. You even bring back... An, you could bring back an old archetype called Dead Guy Ale, which kind of led to Death and Taxes, which is basically Tequila. just... Yeah! Now just, that he's a Hoffer. Uh, just <laughs> black, white, or, like, Esper stuff where you just played good creatures to the board like uh bobs you had vindicates uh lily veil and you just kind of like edged your way through the game with disruption both yeah. on board and from hand kind of the way death and taxes does but a little a little better because of the black elements where you can actually attack the hand then vindicate yeah. can take care of any permanent now you have utter end and some other tools to work with so dead guy l minus mind twist is like not a great archetype compared to death and taxes but giving it mind twist might actually bring it back. So you could actually open up a handful of archetypes without shutting anything else out. Yeah. It, it's it's an interesting thought experiment. But as far as legacy goes, I don't really know if there's much financial fallout for this. We saw a bunch of depths decks, and I know some people are farting around with Alpine Moon in both modern and legacy, but I don't think that, that goes anywhere. The card's, no. card's nothing. Uh, Elvish Reclaimer, there might still be... Uh, a new floor to that as yeah uh, every every depths deck plays that uh, we were talking about mox diamond prices in discord this past weekend and they're like 320 something new but ck is only buying them at 62 percent the cash yep. value on a mox diamond is 62 percent retail on card kingdom right now which to me seems low so that means if they're only showing four they have a bunch more in back stock they're not the people to go to to sell them so you need yeah. to look for the vendors that are going to all these gps like 95 or moose yeah guys like that uh, it's it's similar to what we covered you know the other week where it's like they're lowering the buy list on this stuff because you know if we do see a recession that value is going to go down sale yeah. price isn't going to change no but the buy price is yeah absolutely so uh, there might be some corner cases to get into. The Dreadhorde Arcanist deck, uh, what used to be Is It Spells, is starting to show up in Legacy, and yeah. I haven't seen anything from within that deck. I heard that uh, the Royal Scions did pop up in some lists. Uh, yes. But I have, for both, in Vintage, but I have not been able to find that list yet. Yeah. Uh, there's some of the Jeskai lists. A couple guys I know that play the format have been 
trying it out and some of those and they've had decent results with it yeah. so so i think there's a little room on dreadhorde arcanist and maybe magmatic sinkhole foils for uh, for both modern and legacy play right now it's a one to two of just taking a look at the gen uh, the just guy mentor list and valka yeah. and modern is generally playing one of uh, maybe ponzo would be another deck to play one or two of because once yeah. those cards are in your graveyard there there's nothing you can do with them you just delve and that's it right so yep a premier removal spell they're maybe quartered 50 cents each, so the foils on those probably have a lot more room to grow, so that would be uh, my place to look, though, unrelated to Arcanist itself. Yeah. But just that it's popping up now. Um, as we move through from Legacy, uh, Vintage is up next. So this is going to start, I think, both of our soapboxes with this BNR. When I opened it up and I saw no changes, what I was fine with was the fact that there were no changes. What I wasn't fine with was the fact that they didn't discuss why there were no changes. Transparency, it's not that hard. Which they have done before. They have done before. Yeah. When people were like, you need to fix this format, it is out of whack. In the next BNR, Watsi said, well, we didn't for these reasons. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people who are looking to Vintage right now and saying there are a lot of weird things going on right now, and Narset is still not good, but it's one of many. What are you going to do about this? And Washington just was, they were all shoulders. They just shrugged. Mm, nothing. Yep. We got nothing for you because I guess they're still waiting for Vintage to shake out. Fine. Yeah. You know, com- combing over the, the top list for Vintage, the meta looks to be the same, although in different proportions. The Just Guy Dreadhorde deck is a little more interesting. You know, just referencing, somebody was talking about the, the Scions in there, and I, I can't find that list. What I'm seeing are basically Dak and Narset. It's fine. Yeah. But the, the Scions giving your Dreadhorde Arcanist the ability to flashback Tinker, Time Walk, Time Twister, seems extremely good. Yeah. And if that starts to take off, that becomes more popular, then a 10 or $11 Scion definitely becomes a 15 or $20 card because Arcanist is played... Sure, in Vintage, where it can cast all those busted RL cards I just mentioned, but you also have really good cards to flash back in Legacy and Modern. And this is yeah. a piece of tech that can actually that can honestly bubble up. And it doesn't make Is It Delver better in uh, Modern. You do switch over to more of that Spells build, like I mentioned, which means you're probably moving away from things like Monastery Mentor and something to a little more robust like Storm Chaser, Ma- Storm Chaser Mage. Yeah. But... It, there's definitely opportunity to reset the floor on that card to a point where it just won't come back until you do something else. Yeah. It's... It... I was so happy with the last ban- with the last BNR because they said, look, we listened to the community. We did these things. It was great. And it looked like, oh, we're paying attention to the format. Great. Like I said, I understand you don't want to make any changes with ew coming up fine yeah it still doesn't feel good and it's still i don't think great right now for them to be doing that no i I don't think so either um i i think you know like you said though dreadhorde arcanist is a good thing here i think that that's probably your best bet on what to get honestly um there's a lot of room to grow. It's one of those cards that will benefit by Wizards just doing what Wizards does, which is continue to print, like, under-costed spells. Yep. Cantrips. Whatever. Doesn't matter. All of it's great. All of it's going to be a thing that's going to, you know, as the game goes, it's just going to get better. Sure, you'll never beat the recall. I mean, obviously. 
they're never printing something to flashback like that. But in modern, like you pointed out, you almost have better options in modern than you do in legacy because yeah. you get fatal push, you get serum visions, which not as good as brainstorm, whatever. Uh, Path to exile, bolt. Like there's a lot of really good things you can do there with it. Um, and I mean, I know a couple people that are talking about even in the storm sideboard, just running it as a card advantage engine that gives you extra filter out of your sleight of hands, your serum visions, all that stuff. Oh yeah. And I, I think that that's probably your best opportunity there. And I think that, you know, there's... For a little while, it seemed like Narset's foil price has been a little suppressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, if if at this point, we only have one more checkpoint before we decide if that price is going to go up. And that's the BNR after EW. Uh, that's it. English foil or Japanese alt art? English foil. Okay. I, Japanese alt art is dumb. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> Like, the, the number on it is stupid high. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you can get a pre-release foil for $15. You can get a pack foil for, like, 20 Yeah. Which is too cheap for that card. That should be way more. Sorry, like, 30 for the Yeah, absolutely. Foil. Yeah. I don't know, 20 Um, That's too cheap. And mm-hmm. I think that part of that is because you have a lot of players. Not that Vintage has a huge impact. But foil-wise, that's probably where most of that price is coming from, besides collectors and EDH, is... You know, it's been kind of suppressed by the people that are like, well, this card's obviously getting banned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have one checkpoint left. So that? Yeah. Uh, I think that's about where you're at there. I think there and, might be one more card that has room uh, for Vintage, and it's Crucible. Yeah. Right now I'm still seeing it at, seeing it at about 21 for the, the Core 20 printing. And the, the, the de facto Fastbond deck, the, the, I joked about it being the most expensive lands deck in history that doesn't run a library. Yeah. Is only, like I said, 21. It's a four of in this deck. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing there is, you know, lands hasn't really been figured out yet. Nope. And I think that once it is in vintage, I, that card's going to go up. Oh, absolutely. And this is a deck that the version that's hitting right now of uh, Zaya's Bond isn't where it used to be before with the ramming up excavator as well. Yeah. And it's also not running Zurin Orb. So you don't actually have the combo element in there. You have Crucible and you have Fast Bond. Yes, 4x of each. So that allows you to just recur everything and anything you want from your graveyard as you need yeah. to. It's just, this is not not its final form. At one point in time, I was pretty sure there was um, a walking ballista in this yeah. deck as well. Because you run four workshops in this deck... So aside from powering out all of six artifacts that have a CMC, Workshop does nothing. Even yeah. looking at the sideboard, there's no artifacts, and there's literally six cards Workshop can power out on turn one, and then that's it. Everything else, every other artifact costs zero. Yeah. So when I originally looked at the deck, and there was a Ballista, it made sense. So much like the Urza deck, this one's a little in flux. Yeah. But I do want to step back to Modern, because this skipped my mind, because... It was a quick conversation. Engineered Explosives is actually a card that is ridiculously cheap right now as well. Uh, we were that seeing... card is so affordable, it's absurd. Yeah, two printings. It's still like around 10 to 15-ish. Yeah. For the Modern Masters one, the Fifth Dawn actually recovered pretty nicely, but it's also just objectively better art. Yep, it's uh, 25, 24.50 for uh, Fifth Dawn yeah. right now. But the weird thing was was the, the market price and the average just kind of tailed down together, crossed several times, and now have solidified the fact that on the market, even the 5th Dawn uh, Dawn version of uh, Engineer Explosives is a $20 card. 
Yeah. This is not a card that solves all your problems when it comes to Wurza and, and that deck, but it definitely does puts in a lot of work. Yeah. So. Uh, and it's for a long time it was the best board wipe in modern in terms of like playability. Every oh, yeah. three color deck could run this. They ran about two of them because he needed a way to deal with permanence mm -hmm. and. I you even, know, down to ten, twelve dollars now is just mind-boggling. Yep, I ran, I ran one of the sideboard of Valakut for a while, just yeah. to, to take care of a affinity and um, was additional board wipe against small creature decks. So if you're looking to buy in on that card now, would be the time. The only place we'll see Sunburst come back is going to be a Master Set. Yeah. So there's there's a good chance that it will recover properly, and it is a card that is very much driven by the rest of the format. So you can buy in at 20 like market price suggests, for either yep. version and definitely see it recover back to 30 plus in time as Modern continues to shake out and that card be just becomes better and better and better. Yeah. But I wanted to bring that up before we moved on to our final format. The Great Popper Debate. So All right. Over the, you start. I don't, oh, don't want to get on a door rant on this yet. Over the past week, I've been following uh, Brian DeMars pretty actively because he looked super excited about this uh, upcoming BNR, and I thought he would be extremely upset about two things. One, again, no clarification as to why there were no changes made to this format, and two, no changes made to this format. He asked a question on Twitter, I think on Friday, basically ahead of uh, his weekend so he could just see what the what the results could be. Name the best non-blue, non-artifact, non-land color in Popper. And a handful of people came back with green, but the majority yep. of the results that came back with the color and specific cards wound up being red because it has Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast. Yeah. So it takes care of blue. And Arkham's Astrolabe has basically been ubiquitous in this format since its release. Checking the metagame for Popper on uh, Goldfish earlier today, it's basically in every deck that isn't Burn, Elves, or Affinity. Oh, Mono Black Control, sorry. Four decks out of the top 12 aren't playing Astrolabe as a free redraw. And Mono Black Control could honestly play it if it wanted to, but it wasn't a deck that played Gataxian Probe in the first place, which is what Astrolabe replaces. So, as a, a person who just watches this format and doesn't really have a popper scene up here, I'm kind of unimpressed that nothing was done because from everything I've seen from uh, you know public figures like Brian DeMars and BDM all the way through to the subreddit that was just created today, people were just really curious as to why. What data did you look at that suggested that no changes need to be made? And why did you come to that conclusion from that data? So... There was a about um, two or three weeks ago now. Um, there was a MCQ that was done on Moto, and it was Popper. Yep. And of thirty-two possible copies of Astrolabe, twenty-eight were in the top eight. It was six Jeskai lists, a Tron list. Mm -hmm. Running Astrolabe, because why wouldn't why would, you? Yeah. And Elves, which doesn't care. It draws a million cards anyways. It doesn't need to filter mana that doesn't also, you know, swing. Yep. I I don't know how you can't hit Astrolabe, how you can't hit Ephemerate, you know, whatever. I Even the Moto results, 
I it's did you look at that? Because it's obvious that it's a problem and you're not touching it and like short financially, I mean look at this point if you were holding off on your foil astrolabes, eh, pick them up. Yep. It's going to get banned eventually, but astrolabe control isn't going anywhere in legacy and legacy players also love foils. So you may lose a little bit, but eh, who cares? I, you know, there's plenty of opportunity there. There's opportunity for, I think, surprisingly enough, and you mentioned earlier, uh, Magmatic Rift is becoming more and more played in uh, what? Sinkhole? Magmatic Sinkhole? Oh, yeah, Magmatic Sinkhole. Sorry, Magmatic Sinkhole. It's becoming more and more played in these Jeskai lists that are just running rampant all over Popper right now. Turn through a card is no way to recur, so you just pick up the most efficient removal spell for you. Yeah, I, great. Five five damage to whatever dude you have. It kills Gurmag Angler, which is one of the biggest threats in the format. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you run it? Absolutely. And I, it is infuriating to me that the format, which existed almost exclusively on Moto for a long time, which is where they pull so much of this data from, they're like, eh, don't worry about it. We got this arena thing now. That's just dumb. Why bother? dumb <laughs> oh 100 and uh, you know it, it's interesting because next to modern popper is probably the most popular format in st louis okay uh, it fires multiple stores every week and it it without fail you know you'll see some number of the jeskai lists there and inevitably they're going to be in the finals they're one of the best decks if not oh, yeah. the best at uh, at vegas I, one of my locals said he wasn't playing in the modern main because there were the only decision to make was whether or not he wanted to play Hogak or Luz. So he was playing yeah. Popper, where he could play Jeskai and actually make decisions that impacted the game. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it is still, and I love the format, because that is true. Like, no matter what, you constantly feel like you're doing something that impacts the game. Oh, yeah. But when you're getting to the point where, in this format, you have Boros decks splashing green for Pulse, Weather the storm, splashing black for ninjas. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, th- there's a problem here, and you know one of the one of the things is like, I'm not sure that Astrolabe even does that much if you don't also ban Ephemerate or something, because the only reason they're running Astrolabe in the Jeskai list is so they can run stuff like Scred. Mm-hmm. Well, they just drop Scred and run Journey to Nowhere. That's the same thing. Yep. I, it's, I, I don't think this was good for the format or for the financial aspect, other than meaning it's probably safe to pick up foil Astrolabes for maybe another month. Yeah, the Astrolabe itself is definitely a card, disregarding Popper, that should not be a $1.26. Agreed. Or $1.25, right? I, I, I tweeted about that a while ago, and there are people just as well who just didn't understand how the non-foil copy of this card is so cheap when the foil is 20. Yeah. Sure, it's a common that came out of Modern Horizons, but we know we're not getting any more Modern Horizons this yeah. year. That, that's it. We're done. There are other more important supplementals that need to be printed to make up for limited releases for whatever reason they decided to do yeah. that. But it's a card that has just become an immediate pillar and should be treated as such. The one thing that I found really interesting was taking a look at the Popper metagame on Goldfish because I wanted to see if there was a deck up here that I'd heard about, but there wasn't. In the top 12, there's one, two, three monocolor decks, and it's mono green aggro, mono black control, and burn. 
Everything yeah. else is multiple colors, which I expected, except yeah. for the fact that they're now all able to splash green and or black because of Astrolabe and nothing else. Like yeah. I knew there was a five color Tron list. I've heard about that. That was a years past thing, right? They could yeah. do that. It wasn't a it wasn't a big deal. The slap Astrolabe into Tron doesn't really change the deck a whole lot. Same no. thing with elves because you can just filter through your elves, but they don't need it anyway. Like you said. What was interesting to see was Boros Aggro as a four-color list right now. Scred is a four-color list right now. Inside-out combo, which is basically the tireless tracker inversion combo, is a four-color yeah. deck now. It gets white and it gets green now because of Astrolabe. Whiteout is the green card. All creatures with flying lose flying until EOT. If it's in your graveyard, you may sack a snow-covered land to return it to your hand. So you yep. basically just keep taking Delvers out of the sky. Yeah. Or whatever flyers exist in the format now. And now there's a four-color Bogles list. Yeah. And and Bogles got a new card in Throne, too. The uh, All that sparkles, all that glitters or whatever. Uh, I mean, and they have Astrolabe. Yeah. Sure. Sure, why not? It's not oh, like... Sorry, it's an uncommon. It didn't get it in Pauper, just Modern. Uh, that's fine. It's still it's technically a three color main. They're counting um, Slippery Bogle as a blue card, but there are two yeah. dispels in the sideboard, being splashed yeah. off of exactly zero non forest non plane lands. Yeah, but for Astrolabe. Yeah, I mean you've you've got fling in the list now, electricaries, mox monkeys. Like there's so much there that's just like all right, I guess this the, and this is wholly unintentional. I think. I don't think it, by any means, Wizards wanted this to happen. No. I, I just think this is what happened to Popper because of that. Yeah, Astrolabe just happened to do this. I don't, yeah. I don't think they, they meant to do this. There's there's no way. It's much, like I was thinking about Urza earlier when they announced Modern Horizons. They said they wanted to add to the format and not warp it. But that's yeah. exactly what Hogak and Urza did to the to the modern format was warp it. Hogak a little more than Urza. And I, I think this is just another one of those cards that just kind of got swept away through play design because they care about the format, but not enough to really sit down and get into the minutia of it and figure out, like, hey, this is this is bad. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But the nice part is, is that while this does shake up the format, it really doesn't change a lot besides push, continue to push Delver down, prop up other strategies make the format a little healthier in that regard and kind of negate the ennui that was Popper for about six to nine months. Yeah. And I get that's fine. As somebody who's not a Popper player, I'm not seeing a whole lot of people can complain about anything besides the ubiquity of Arkham's Astrolabe in the format, which is kind of a reason they got rid of Git Probe in the first place. Yeah. Sure, you don't have Peak attached to it, but it's still free card draw that smooths out everybody's deck and allows them to just play their game you know uninterrupted yeah but quote unquote and it 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 creates this weird situation where like it's similar to mental misstep right so mental misstep was just restricted or whatever Mm -hmm. in vintage because every deck ran it yes i if you're going to use that argument you can't pick and choose when you use it if it's creating a negative effect on the metagame yeah and i think that you know you you don't run a 56 card deck 
because every deck would just run that card, and that's exactly what you're looking at in Popper right now. Is basically every deck is 56 cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason they don't want to use their already existing logic on on Astral, but it could also be like I said because it doesn't break the format. Like that's yeah, format defining, not format warping or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I guess that's okay. Like I said, as a non-popper player, what? Yeah. Again, what I didn't like about this was just the lack of clarity and the fact that really it's just status quo for popper. And the only big thing is you get your astrolabes, you get your sinkholes, foil or not. No matter what, these cards are being played in this format. That's really you know the financial aspect of things. There was supposedly a Jeskai combo deck coming up with a name that I'd never heard of before, and I couldn't find anything about it like in my ten minutes of research before the the cast. But yeah, it's not. As far as I can tell, it hasn't taken over the format, and things are just kind of cruising along. Like, if you have a popper player base by you, then you definitely want to look at Astrolabes, Sinkholes, some of the Bogle stuff as uh, as pickups to, to trade yeah. in your local environment. Everything else has basically just been popper playable for a fairly large amount of time. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's anything really new on the block, so to speak. Some of the elf stuff might be worth picking up, but not because of Astrolabe, just because it's hard to find a lot of the Onslaught guys. Yeah. Anyway. But I don't think there's a lot here in terms of financials. Utopia Sprawl, maybe. But yeah. it's a $3 card at one point because it hadn't been reprinted. Cornerstone. And then it was, and all of a sudden it's bulk again. Yeah. But it'll get there. I, EDH exists. Well, I guess it's still 2 bucks. so yeah. Yeah, f- uh, 4 for the Dissension copy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you need the um, mono green devotion deck to yeah. do anything in modern to really see that card bump. That's kind of where it happened. Or Ponza, they they both run that card. Yeah, but, Ponza would. I love Ponza. I would love to see that do things again. But yeah, uh, maybe it just needs it needs a good solid finisher instead of a myriad of big old dummies that do nothing to forward your game plan. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's that worm. Uh, no, that actually only affects you. Never mind. There's the uh, the saga worm. It was like a six six for four, but you had the sack of land. So. Uh, yeah, the shivan worm from planar chaos. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the shifted one, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's all we got for this week. Let's yep. see if there's anything you wanted to talk about. Nope, that's it. All right. Uh, so before we head out, picks for the week. Uh, I'll let you go first. Yours is a little okay. more interesting than mine. Yeah, mine, uh, so, you know, you've started to see masterpieces, expeditions, stuff like that start to dry up, and uh, I don't know if it's people that are like, oh, I'm going to finish off my collection, or whatever the case is. But I was looking around and seeing, you know, how this impacted things, basically, uh, and stumbled upon a Yu-Gi-Oh! proxy that I forgot existed, uh, and that is Divert. So the Yu-Gi-Oh! one from Amonkhet. Uh, So the invocation of this is the low-hanging fruit of the invocations. It's 14 bucks. It's not a great card by any stretch of the imagination. But when people decide that, well, it's time for me to finish this, you know, I'm going to pick up all my invocations, whatever else, What's the one card that nobody's been actively picking up at all this time? Mm -hmm. Divert. Uh, It's not played in EDH, like Boil or Desolation Angel, which are also on the lower end. Uh, It's not played in anything, really. Even Odyssey Block, as far as I know, it wasn't played. 
and at $15, it seems pretty low. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't think that we'll ever see this card hit 100 by any means, but I don't think that 30 to 40 is entirely unreasonable for it, at which point $15 is a great buy list price. Yeah. Uh, people have it sitting around. They're not doing anything with it. There's no one with an absurd emotional attachment to this card. Nope. Like, you know, maybe a Spell Pierce or something like that. So it should be pretty easy to pick up, and I just think that long-term, once people start picking up their invocations and finishing their collections out of this stuff, it'll start to see a move. Additionally, uh, the numerical list of how many prices we have uh, over the last month has gone from about 70, 72-ish, and we're now down to 58, which isn't a huge dip, except that unlike other invocations there haven't been new sellers popping up yeah so it's just the quantity that was there that's gradually diminishing and we're not seeing new ones come up for it yeah this is basically basically going to be the tango land equivalent of invocations you need them to finish out your cycle right but they are definitely the low-hanging fruit yeah in that regard like i'm not a huge fan of this pick because i don't like the invocation system but as far as the Yu-Gi-Oh proxies are bad well the well the thought behind this is great like you know, you're looking at something that is a very limited print run where you do have a collector's audience in the sense that people do want to finish these sets, right? So where do you go? You don't go for the top because this is an underground sea. Yeah. You know, you go from the bottom because that's what has the the largest floor, uh, you know, the largest distance. Largest to room floor. to grow, yeah. yeah. And so I think personally, like I said, not a huge fan, but I like the idea behind it. And I think this is a kind of an important thing for people to learn about too, especially with yeah. all the random ways that you can now acquire a card from Throne of Eldraine. You know, eventually the same thing is going to be applicable to Eldraine and whatever they want to do this to. So people have got to learn that you know sometimes the action isn't at the top or you know the the highest yeah price thing or the the hottest ticket item. You need to start looking at the low end of things because those are the ones that are always dragging. You could buy yep. plateaus for thirty dollars up to maybe four or five years ago, and if you just sat on them, they're they got to be what close to sixty now. I buy list is about 50 to 60 at most gps so yeah yep right now a revised plateau has a market value of 132 an average of 128 so they're fairly close right yeah that i you could buy those for 30 dollars when a wall underground sea was still over 300 yeah if you're looking to complete your set then you need to start from the top and work your way down because that card will cost you the most now. It will cost you the most in the future, too. It's yeah. easier to, to spend those funds up front or budget for that thing that you know is going to be a while. Whereas the lagging piece, when you're finishing your collection, makes a little more sense to pick up later. If you're looking to make money, though, it's the opposite. You want to start yep. at the low end because you can sit on that for a while and hold it. And it's, yeah. a, it's an important lesson. That's fair. So, I, li I, like, I like that pick for that reason. Yeah. My pick is uh, a little more obvious uh, for two weeks ago if we were following the arena timeline. And that is uh, Torbrand, Thane of Redfell. Yeah. When Eldraine first hit Moto, it was one of, I think, four rares in the Mono Red deck that just tore it up for a couple of days. There was this, mm -hmm. uh, Domingo, or Javier, sorry, uh, Fires, and Chandra. Yeah. Those are the four rares. When I initially picked mine up, uh, Thorbrand was under $2, and as I was watching the deck function, it was the card that let that deck win. 
as long yep. as your opponent didn't sit there and gain a ton of life like the Sultai deck starts uh, starts to do, or uh, the Golos deck now, you could get yep. you could get around and over anything with uh, Torbrand and that enchantment that whenever you attack it pings your opponent because now you're pinging for bolts you're not pinging for lava darts, and that adds up very quickly. Yeah. So this definitely has legs when you're looking at mono red in the standard format. The other thing is going back and looking at EDHs. Isn't it a whole lot of decks right now? But a lot of the weird cards that people play in EDH, like Mana Barbs, are starting to crop yeah. up on the list of cards that are synergistic. And podcasts like EDH Rec have talked about Torbrand on a number of occasions already as being one of the best commanders for Mono Red. Yeah. What suppresses this right now isn't the fact that it's not really being played because Mono Red doesn't have a place in Standard right now. It's the fact that you can get this card in like five different variations. Dumbest, dumbest dumbest thing i it think is. it was in the discord when you were like you did the math and there's like 1100 unique cards in this set uh yeah it's like 13 and change 13 yeah. over 1300 unique versions of cards in this single standard set so before when you were looking at standard you had the number in the set times two plus the planeswalker deck uniques whatever supplementals now you have all of that plus the unique stuff in the collector's booster packs and every edition that you can get that card in so there's like 1,300, almost 1,400 unique cards in the set compared to under like eight previously. It's ridiculous. Woo. Exactly. It's friggin' thrilling. But this is a card that right now sits at 225 ish $2. And can go to five pretty quickly and pretty easily if the mono red deck takes off. If anything is done about the Field of the Dead decks, if uh, people realize that you can start playing Tybalt and negate a little bit of that life gain and find a way around these zombie tokens, he definitely becomes the cornerstone of that deck. He's not a finisher in that deck. He doesn't end the game in the spot. He's what allows you to get from the mid game to the finish line. You know. Yeah. It is the card that probably puts in the most work aside from your one and your two drops, or, or fires, which is a two drop. And this is the card that is just going to continue to see play outside of standard for years to come with an EDH, be it yeah. the commander or in the ninety nine. It's going to be a sought after card. When you look at this and you look at things like uh, Furnace of Wrath, and you look at uh, Gisela, Knight of... Or the, the gold Gisela, the red-white yeah. one. Right? Yeah. Furnace of Wrath for you, half damage for your opponents. Her? Yeah. He basically slots right in there into that Boros deck, or like I said, as the mono-red commander where you just want to ping people out with one damage that suddenly turns into three. Or two yeah. into four. So this is a card that you can probably pick up for a, f for a fairly long period of time for under two dollars until like i said something is done with standard format and then once you have your copies if you want to keep picking them up that's fine it should see a jump to uh five dollars and hold for another fairly long amount of time but it's just going to be another long-term gainer this yeah. is not going to be a short sell foils right now are about eight dollars and i think that's probably appropriate even long term unless the mono red deck becomes the deck to play yeah so unless you naturally crack a foil or you can find them for about five, I don't think I would necessarily move it on foils just because they might be somewhere around their ceiling right now. And that is just the foil set. That's not the... Full art, the promo pack, the whatever. On and the, on and on. Yeah. Exactly. That's also going to muddy the waters a little bit in regards to this card. And then, of course, and this is, I think, going to be a statement for anything in Eldraine. Anything that can be a commander from Eldraine... It's most likely going to be the pimpest version that is going to hold the highest price tag regardless of what card it is. Yeah. If Thorbrain 
uh, Thorbrand is going to be the commander moving forward from mono red, then it's going to be most likely the full art the or full the portal. Yeah. The full art looks the best. The borderless foil is technically the pimpest because it can only come in the collector's boosters. Yeah. Which you could get at big box retail for about $4 a piece over the last weekend. That was also fantastic to find out. So, this... I'm recommending the non-foil. If you want to move it on anything, then I would rec then I would say sit on your heels, wait for pricing to fall out a little bit, and then see over time over the next, let's say, two weeks, which Thor brand kind of pops up above the others in regards to the foils, and then that would be the one I would move in on if I was going to be buying the foils. Yeah. But that's where I am. I, I think that's safe as well. I think, you know, it's easy for people to jump in and forget that week one standard is a tire fire yeah and everyone you know buys in on golos they buy in on field everything else like you said and you do you leave stuff behind like torbrin yep. because he's the answer to that and it's making the meta call that like well you're not going to make money reacting you've got to be proactive and mm -hmm. i think that's i think it's a smart pick yeah uh it could also you can also see brawl play too yeah because that's yeah, gonna be a brawl, thing. especially you know if if brawl sticks around this time uh, red aggro tends to be pretty good in one on one. Mm -hmm. So, and if he's your general, you know you're starting to look at some pretty quick damage over time, starting really early in this in that game. So, yeah, this is definitely I think something that's going to require a little more attention than the other picks that we've made, just because so many versions, so many ways to play them coming up. Yeah, but I think it's going to turn out to be a worthwhile pick. Agreed. I think with that, that is our cast for the week. Got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and Patreon, and we are still taking uh, applicants for the Uma Box giveaway. All you need to do is just join at any rank, and you'll get entered into that giveaway. Yep. Uh, otherwise, I am at Halt, I am Reptar on Twitter and in subreddits randomly. I am at Thirsty Sizzler on the Twitter. And you can catch us here next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs>